interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> what's up everyone my bloody podcast time we're so excited to be back for another episode this week the end of january just before the bloody month of february episode 79 of my bloody podcast is coming straight to you right now i'm brian kluger and i'm joined by the man i want to haunt my dreams and my my daily activities with Preston Barton. We, we Barta. make pottery together. We can make pottery together. <laughs> oh, hello, Preston. How are you? I'm doing quite well. How are you? I'm not too bad here. I'm excited for our show today. Like super excited about our show today. Yeah, it's a it's a shift in gear a bit. Got the horror elements uh, perfectly timed with uh, upcoming Valentine's Day. It, it, it's true because we were, Preston and I were having a chat on what movie to do, and then Preston came out with this idea, and I immediately said, All in! I'm, I'm very excited. So, yes, our main feature today will be the 1990 film Ghost, starring Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore. And Whoopi Goldberg, amongst others, I'm very excited to talk to you about this movie. Oh my goodness, 1990. Were you alive in 1990? That was the year I was born. I looked up and I think it released in July. So the movie, I'm two months older than this movie. (laughs) And Preston was there opening weekend. (laughs) He remembers it vividly. (laughs) Uh, So, so much fun. So good. Uh, we're going to be talking about Ghost. We're going to be uh, giving us our, giving you our bloody recommendations, our bloody tunes, and bloody questions. We just want to say, again, thank you to our last episode, to Nathan Johnson for joining us, as well as Mark Chaffordini from Ghosty Talk. We had such a great time with everyone. Uh, didn't you, Preston? I did, yeah. I listened back to that episode, and it was a, it was a good episode. It was it, a lot it of fun. Was, it was a pretty good episode. We laughed for many reasons in that episode. <laughs> Um, So yes, go give that a listen to But let's bring up the bloody bits of news first Uh, Your horror news bits uh, That are are very current First up, there's a new trailer out there That I'm very excited about You should look it up Maybe they'll give it a Super Bowl spot I doubt it However, the movie is called Swallow And uh, I'm a sucker for pregnancy horror movies And this seems kind of like a pregnancy horror movie so the like a log line for this film in this movie swallow basically a woman who becomes pregnant she develops an obsession of eating insane things like marbles nails tacks anything she can and it just looks like a psychological horror that I'm all in for. It might go to some really dark places. Preston, did you watch it? Did you like it? And uh, 
you know, living at one point with a pregnant wife? Did this ever happen to you? Yeah, my my wife was twisted enough that she, instead of craving macaroni and cheese, she wanted to put nails and tacks in her mouth. <laughs> mac and cheese, mac and cheese. No, uh, I believe this film screened at Fantastic. I, it was one that I couldn't make. I remember that. Uh, but it intrigued me because it paired well with Butt Boy, which was another movie that played at Fantastic Fest that involved a character sticking obscure objects up his ass. Oh, right, and, right, right. Except that one really underwhelmed me. It wasn't that fun. And, but this one is like, especially after the trailer, because at the time that it screamed at the festival, there wasn't any footage to look at. Just one slick looking image that made it look like it was done by the cinematographer and person that in charge of camera lighting as uh, the movie, Avi- the aviator. Cause it kind of has like this rich glow to it. Um, but then watching the trailer, it carries across, but then you start seeing like this, progression of this woman who slowly starts putting it's almost like raw in that she's like craving certain things and it just gets worse and worse as the movie goes along especially as the trailer goes along too i got that uh, feeling of raw as well in this movie trailer yeah i guess just because it's so quiet and um feels more grounded in reality so i think that's what makes it a little more intriguing however I can just imagine myself watching this and just cringing the entire time, especially the last shot of this trailer, which shows like this large nail that she sticks in her mouth. And then um, it's cut with like shots of these objects being removed from her body covered in blood with like a clothespin tacks. Uh, So, yeah. If you thought pregnancy was a scary was scary, this one is just adding uh, icing to the cake. Just another uh, scary element to this. So um, I can't say that it's probably going to be one that I'm just like eager eager to see, just because the subject matter is so. Uh, I don't. It's going to be hard to watch, but um, I'm still curious. I know. I'm. I'm definitely curious. I. Uh... I really, 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 really want to see this film. Uh, it, <laughs> I don't know where it's going to go, and I'm trying to remember if it did play at Fantastic Fest because I'm trying to remember because I think that I would definitely love to see this. I don't, I don't remember if it played there. Uh, if it did, oh, I missed something good. I'm but, checking um, now. It looks like it did. Damn it! This last year. Yep. Ah. Uh, Yep, it played uh, while we were there, too, Saturday the 21st. Uh, so, yeah, I, I remember marking it down as uh, one of the movies that I was interested in seeing, but I just I think all that that entire area was blocked with interviews and films of uh Oh, yeah, you're higher. right. I believe – you know what? I might have actually had that on my docket, but I might have been doing an interview at that time. <laughs> I think it was like a 30, yeah. 40 It's usually like interview. if your movie is at 1 o'clock, that's, that's the interview times. Yeah. Dang it. Dang it. Dang it. All right. All right. Under the Skin. Um, not Under the Skin. Swallow trailer. We're getting to that. I'm sorry. When does uh, Swallow come out? Do you, do you recall? Um, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, but I believe March six. March six. Okay, March six. So from IFC Films, they always put out some pretty decent stuff. Yeah, 
What, so. one of, actually, my bloody recommendation comes from my FC films today. Oh, good, good, good. Uh, let's 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 move on to the another bit of news. So there was a movie that came out several years ago, and I believe we all enjoyed it. It starred Scarlett Johansson, who played an. I a- didn't enjoy it. You didn't enjoy this movie. What's happening? I love this movie. It's like a horror sci-fi film that starred. Um. Oh my. Scarlett just, Johansson. Yeah, Scarlett Johansson, Black Widow. As this alien who kind of seduced people and then killed them, and it was uh, I'm very very excited. It was based on a book by Michael Faber, and uh, was this guy Jonathan Glazer's first film in a long time. So I'm curious on what happening with this movie. If you are curious, it's they're trying to do a TV series out of it and it looks like several people have thrown their hats and money in to try to get this TV series including A24. So, I think I I saw the movie, it's a very slow burn creepy intense type of film and I really liked it and I think that this alien walking around could be very very cool for a TV series. So I'm in for this. I hope Preston, you would be all in, but I doubt they'd get Scarlett Johansson for sure. No, they probably wouldn't. And they'd get somebody else. Um, but no, my experience seeing this movie is I t- sometimes uh, my energy can be thrown off by how my, my wife experiences the film. So she saw it with me and I was really eager to see it. Because the trailers were interesting to me. I liked the score. I mean, I still think that score is great. Um, <clears throat> so, but watching the movie, there's a few experiences that I've had with my wife where it's, we, we call it count, counting ceiling, ceiling tiles. Is when we're in it and we want to leave and we start counting how many ceiling tiles are in the movie theater. <clears throat> so, um, this one, um, it, it just didn't, it wasn't for me. I, I, I understand why people appreciate it and like it. There's a lot of imagery that has stuck with me outside of Scarlett Johansson looking great. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, like imagery of like, especially the ending like that, that, that was kind of terrifying to me. And um, the baby on the beach, like, fuck. Um, so yeah, there, there, there's, particular imagery in this especially when she like lures them into her venus flytrap type of scenario um that that stuck out to me i I liked the parts more than i liked the the mechanics of the entire thing well have you seen it since the theater no i haven't so i i but it's just it's going to take a a lot for me to convince myself to give it another shot um I still think, even though it's been a long time, I still think I need some more time. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay then. Okay. Preston needs more time with this movie. <laughs> He's taking the slow route with it. Uh, well, I'm sure by next podcast or the one after that, this will be picked up by somebody and hopefully 
it's A24 or HBO or something. I'm I'm curious to see it. So Well, it could be something like Euphoria, which is HBO, but A24 is still involved with it. No, that, that would be it, awesome. it, it would need to be something that allows uh, darker material to exist. Right. So, yeah, this, this can't be on, like, NBC or ABC or anything like that. This needs to... Have Hell no. Some some legs to spread. So good lord, <laughs> good lord, <laughs> the wings to spread. I don't know. Uh, so under the skin TV show coming soon, uh, within probably the next couple of years, I would imagine. <clears throat> but let's talk about something else that uh, I'm not too excited about, really. And I don't know how Preston will feel about it, but I am not happy about this yet. And I won't be until it's gone or something like that, or they cancel it, I don't think. But Blumhouse is trying to get off the ground a remake, a reboot, a sequel remake, reboot of John Carpenter's The Thing, where it looks like they unearth some old novels that... Uh, we're in the same world as the thing, and they're going to pick it up from there and try to remake certain things from the John Carpenter version. I just, I don't know. I'm not happy about this. Unless you have uh, Wilford Brimley and and Kurt Russell and Keith David back with John Carpenter, I just, I'm, I think I'm out. I just can't see this being any good. So, Preston, what do you think about this news? Uh, I'm right there with you. I don't, I don't really care. Um, I think if they, that's usually the, the, the route that is taken with some of the remakes, or at least lately, it seems like they try to go back to the, 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 primary source of it all which is the full-length novel frozen hell which would be maybe they should even title it that but uh, apparently it just has more exposition and a lot more background and what made john carpenter's the thing so great is that he strips so much of that down and just you know kind of like the terminator like just presents enough there or alien put put enough down for you to be invested and then just get to the horror. Um, so I don't know what to really anticipate from something like this. I don't, I haven't read this novel before. Um, so I don't really have much to throw out there and thinking that it would, it's a good idea, but just strictly based off of my love and appreciation for John Carpenter's the thing. Uh, I think it should just remain untouched. Um, there's probably another science fiction novel out there or something like there's so many, so, so many other things that they can do, um, to always feel like they need some sort of, uh, IP that will make, uh, put more butts in seats. And I was like, nah, if you create something that seems intriguing and interesting, uh, people will show up. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not remotely interested at the moment until, um, cause I think it's all like speculation and rumors at the moment, kind of like what Jaws was, uh, the Jaws remake. So, um, I'm sure, you know, we'll be back to report more information as it comes to us, but, and, and if it really starts to take off and there's images and trailers, then we can 
comment more on it. But as of right now, it just doesn't seem like a good idea. All right. All right. Uh, I, it's, yeah, it, they're, they're in the, it, it, so it's Universal and Blumhouse trying to team up sure. to do this, which they've done this before. So it's, yeah, we'll, we'll see where it goes, but I, we if don't Blumhouse have Blumhouse is involved, then I'm sure they're aware of people's reservations with this. Same thing with people's reservations with Halloween. Um, but we all saw how that turned out. Um, but I'm still hopeful for Halloween kills. Um, <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll see. So it could be a little bit better than we, but if it does get, but no. Yeah. Yeah. That, we're, we're in agreement there. Um, another bit of news, another topic uh, that's coming up this weekend. Uh, Super Bowl Sunday is happening. America's favorite holiday. Super Bowl Sunday. Of course, commercials and trailers will be playing. However, there's a little bit of horror coming to Super Bowl Sunday in the form of a Mountain Dew commercial, which I've watched, mm-hmm. and it's super funny, hilarious, uh, ridiculous, over-the-top, silly, but pretty fun. They did a good job with it. It has Brian Cranston, you know, the star of Breaking Bad, uh, playing Jack Torrance from The Shining, going up the hotel to the room, putting the axe through the door, sticking his face in there, and doing the whole Mountain Dew thing. And it's... It's kind of funny. They did a good job with the commercial, even though if you hate Mountain Dew or silly <laughs> stuff like this, it actually is well made and funny. And it's great to see Brian Cranston do a pretty spot on Jack Nicholson uh, impression. So, uh, yeah, did you watch it, Preston? Yeah, I, yeah, I watched it. It played in front of some movie trailer or some clip I was watching. Um, yeah, it, it was fun. Uh, I wonder if they used the set of Dr. Sleep. I know, right? Uh, I mean, Doctor Sleep was so the, the the sets were so amazing. But I wonder if they filmed that while they were filming the movie or something like that, because it it looks good in the commercial. It really does. Yeah. So be on the lookout for that. I believe you can watch it online now. There might be a longer version at some point, but right now it's a thirty second spot. But uh, go. Um, Go Mountain Dew. It Did you see the other commercial that's going to be playing? It's not really horror related, but it does have John Krasinski and Chris Evans in it. Oh, yes. And the somebody Hyundai else is in Self it, too. Park. Yes. Yes. I did see that, which is actually is a pretty good commercial. Yeah, I thought it was funny. It was pretty them, good. Them and their Boston accents. Right. It's, it's a self-pock. It's a self-pock, yeah. Self yeah. Uh, good stuff. So, yeah, Super Bowl Sunday... Uh, and as far as news, that's pretty much it. However, I believe there is a, uh, a new season of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina out on Netflix. Uh, we've talked about it before, but our, our man, Preston Barta, has been watching it. And he has an update for us. I'm very excited because I hope they've gone darker. Uh, they've explored some more stuff. So, Preston, give us your take on the first few episodes. So, yes, it has gotten darker, um, which has been great. However, it still suffers from some of the same issues that I've uh, concentrated on before with, um, you know, initially I've commented on every season thus far and I've enjoyed all of them. um, But there's been an issue where, you know, going into it, I was shocked at how dark it was. I was like, oh, this is pretty good. 
Um, but then it'll have like these moments where, cause it's, it's based within the same universe as Riverdale and, uh, which, you know, appeals to young audiences. My wife enjoys it. Um, it's like cheesy schlock. Um, so there, <laughs> there, there are moments where it gets so dark and complicated and then out of nowhere, it just dives into this cheesy territory that just doesn't really work for me. Um, thankfully this season, when those moments happen, they're pretty short lived. So that makes it a little bit better. Um, for instance, in the first episode, I should say, um, at this point, Sabrina's, you know, there's all these dilemmas and I don't want to give away too much, but it involves her going to hell. There's somebody that she cares so deeply for that's stuck there, but she's also found out last season <clears throat> that her father is Satan himself, um, which is kind of a cool twist that I just ruined for you right now. Sorry. Um, Spoiler! But it's, but it's like Empire Strikes Back. Um, so, But what, what happens is uh, it, it gets dark. We start seeing Satan. It looks like Black Phillip and uh, the witch. And, oh, deliciously. Uh, there's like some shit that goes on in the first episode that's a lot of fun where it turns into this nightmarish setting of Wizard of Oz. And there's like a tin man with an axe for arms. And um, what else is there? There's there's a school where this guy has like Freddy Krueger's glove. But the the imagery of it looks like something uh, from the mind of Robert Eggers mixed with a little bit of Tim Burton Beetlejuice that gives it a little bit of spunk to make it some fun, more fun. Um, but then when you're going on all that adventure, it, it comes back to the high school setting. It It's kind of like a cheesy turn of like Buffy, you know, um, like Buffy has its moments where it, where you're like, ah, we can move on a little bit. Um, so this one, there's like a cheer routine and they're like singing. And, uh, that's where it began to feel like Riverdale to me. And then there's some moments where it gets a little lovey dovey where like a lot of the dialogue that's shared between the characters gets a little too so, predictable so and cheesy. So, so what you're saying is that it's gone darker, but there's still like the cheesy romantic. There's still pro- moments. Yeah. There's still some problems there. I think, I think it's just tonally a little bit uneven, but uh, I'm still massively invested in it and uh, find it a pretty fun show and dark show. Do you think um, that they should forego the cheesy romantic stuff and maybe add like <clears throat> a lot of really dark humor and make it like funnier uh, uh, in a dark way and keep, while, while keeping like that darker tone? Perhaps it needs something. Uh, it, it, it's trying to, it's, you know, it's a perfect show for my wife and I to watch. Like I've said before, where we can, I like some of the darker stuff. I like, uh, the, the film quality of the show, uh, how it looks and some of these dark images that I've talked about, but then some of those, uh, lighter moments, uh, appeal to, to my wife. So I, it, it, they're still trying to, I guess, probably clock into their audience a little bit and they haven't quite ironed it out yet. Um, but, uh, people appreciate it and like it. So 
um, I guess they're just good with that. I don't think they'll shift things going forward as much as I would like for them to, but I don't know what the solution would be because, I mean, there has to be love stories here and um, for, for just how everything's been set up. So it'd be hard to retcon things like that. But anytime it involves like music and things like that, it gets a little bit uh, uneven for me. Well, there it is. I think Preston still enjoys it. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, there you go. It's on Netflix. It says season three, right? Yeah, season three. On Netflix. Stream it. Watch it. I think it. there's eight episodes. Cool, cool. And I guess Kiernan Shipka is still nailing that role. Yeah, she's great. She yeah. has like uh, platinum blonde hair right now, or like where it looks white. Um, but yeah, there's a confidence to her that's really infectious uh, and believable. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Well, that ends our episode 79 Bloody Bits of News segment. We're going to move on. Let's move on to uh, Bloody Questions, where we ask a horror movie question. We answer it. We go to Reddit. We read those answers. Uh, Preston, you kind of had a, a good idea this week. <laughs> yeah, so... Not kind of. You did have a good idea this week. Oh, thank you. Um to keep in keeping with uh, ghost our feature film this week i thought it would be fun to because some of my favorite questions that we've asked in our bloody questions section involves like something ridiculous like oh if you throw tom hanks into a horror movie like which character would you like to see like those kind of fun things so i thought what if we could be like patrick swayze's character in ghost where he could uh haunt somebody or just like a ghost in general. Like if you can go, if you can be a ghost in one in one movie's uh, setting and haunt a character, like who would you want to haunt, and what movie would it be? You know, that's that's good. It's a it's a great question. <laughs> so uh, how I worded it on Reddit was if you if you were a ghost and could haunt any movie or TV character, who would it be, and which movie or show would it be so kind of in the same vein as patrick swayze's film ghost so uh yeah do you want me to go first yeah go for it okay so if i were a ghost i mean i thought about doing gilbert great but i'm not going to (laughs) (laughs) or arnie actually i i didn't i didn't go that route i actually went tv route with it and i'm gonna say i would love to haunt Patty's Pub, especially Dennis Reynolds, <laughs> which would which would give an insight into his serial killer ways. <laughs> I would mm. keep putting uh, these uh, ideas and stuff in his head that he has to be like this serial killer <laughs> just for fun. And then I could be at Patty's Pub all the time. So, uh, yeah, that's who I thought of. Because I thought, like, maybe I could do Frank or even Mac because I could just, like, convince Mac he was gay <laughs> when he actually really isn't, but he he is. And then just Frank, I think Frank is on his own. Like, he's just crazy. But I thought Dennis specifically, because uh, Dennis as a whole, if you look at him, he's, like, the normal one. But he's so not. He's like far from it. He's like sinister and evil and will be a serial killer by the end of the whole series. So even if he is now. But uh, I would like to be that ghost that uh, edges him, nudges him that way. So that's where I went with it. (laughs) Is that weird? 
No, it reminds me a little bit of the first uh, segment in uh, From Beyond the Grave. Uh, yeah. Kind of involves that a ghost communicating with a guy to try to, you know, he's his puppet. So yes. that that's the fun scenario of that could be just transplanted into any drama. Like, I don't know. Uh, made, you, you explaining that made me think of like, what if they did it to Lloyd Christmas and Dumb and Dumber? Like, just because he, <laughs> he's a bit sinister at times. For um, sure. He th- and, rips out And that would, heart. like, really elevate his uh, malicious uh, side of himself. Right, right. No, that would be great, Lloyd Christmas. <laughs> Lloyd Christmas, and they're just insane. That's good stuff. All right, so yeah, I like that. Preston, what did you go with? Um, it was something that I teased to you when we came up with the question, which is uh, Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. Um, I, I, because that movie just involves, or his character specifically involves him, like, accidentally, just coincidentally coming running into these moments being a part of these events that have shaped history um like him being there part of watergate and all that so um i would just like to imagine him being haunted by a ghost and driving him mad to the point where i wonder if he would uh surface at some like dark moments in history (laughs) um just to see how he would handle that uh just like what what it would do for his character would he realize um well for one thing i would convince him that Ginny is not good for him no for sure i would you you, well he loves jenny i get it (laughs) even though she's uh horrible to him through pretty much the entire film uh here and there, but yeah, I you you just gotta like stop. You, there's so much, so many more, but I, I get it. So you want to see him go darker because in the book of Forrest Gump, him and Jenny get captured by a cannibal tribe. <laughs> see, that would be cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You, so you would haunt you would uh, you would haunt him that way and be like, "You got to run, Forrest." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, or I was thinking of. Instead of me haunting uh, what they should have done in Rise of Skywalker at the end of The Last Jedi, when Luke Skywalker tells Kylo Ren, see you around, kid. The whole movie should have been about him like haunting him and driving him mad. I would have liked to have seen that happen in Rise of Skywalker, amongst many other things. That that would be awesome. Well, there you go. Uh, Forrest Gump and... Uh, Dennis Reynolds. <laughs> I like this. Uh, we brought the question to Reddit, and interestingly enough, it kind of went pornographic. So, <laughs> only gonna read a, a few of them. I don't know why this happened, but uh, Baba Bowie 2017 said, I would haunt the set of Three Men and a Baby, which I guess he was uh, doing the fourth wall there because there is the uh, the folklore of the ghost on the set, which was not, it was a cardboard cutout, but I get it. Um, Ichi, the killer 62 said paranormal penis activity. So I'm guessing that Ichi, the killer's penis would be 
uh, why are we talking about this? I don't know, but be the haunting in this, right? Yeah. Horizontal Bob said any of Nathan Fillion's characters, but you know Malcolm Reynolds would be at the top, which I think that would be awesome. And then Movie Mike 007, who we see on here quite a bit. Thank you, Movie Mike 007. Uh, he said, I'd stalk the set of the original Wizard of Oz. And I guess he's still thinking that there was a munchkin that hung himself in the background. But that's not true. It was one of those large birds in the background. Thank you to 4K. <laughs> Imaging. So, yes, there are That's more. noticeable in the, four Im- in the 4K? Yes, yes, it is. Uh, they, it is clearly a giant bird and not a munchkin that hung himself. Because, like in like DVD presentations and stuff like that, you can see like something in the background that doesn't look right. But when you could, when you see the 4K, like the new one that was released, or the yes, it, you could. It's clearly a bird walking hmm. around. If that was released by Disney, I feel like they would just omit that somehow. Well, so that was the whole like. That was the whole thing, you know, with the Three Men and a Baby thing and the Wizard of Oz thing. It's like, how did Disney miss this? And no, no it was a bird. So, yes. Yes. So there are other other answers here, but we will not read them. We will, we will post the link on our uh, site so you could see all the answers and join in. And you can email us at mybloodypodcast at gmail.com and let us know what movie TV character you would haunt, what movie it would be in. Uh, let us know who you'd want to haunt with Forrest Gump and Dennis Reynolds. Oh my God, Dennis Reynolds, Dennis Reynolds haunting Forrest Gump. Oh my God. How crazy would that be? So, yeah, just imagine what that would be for <laughs> Dennis Reynolds to show up on the park bench. I know, right? <laughs> It, like for 30 seconds, Dennis would be nice, and then it would just, it would not. He would he'd be trying it. to figure him out, and he, then got him out, figured out, and then he'd probably try to convince Forrest to kill Jenny. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Use the Dennis system on Jenny. <laughs> Yeah. What a great oh, skit boy. that would be, telling Forrest to use the dentist system on Jenny. <laughs> I think you're on to something. <laughs> oh, we need to write this. Oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. Uh, back to reality here for my bloody podcast. I'm very excited about this. So moving on to Bloody Tunes, uh, which is a new segment where we think of a song in relation to the movie we're talking about, the main feature, and we're going we're gonna to talk about a little bit why we like it. So do uh, you mind if I go first? Go for it. I wonder if we'll have the same song, but I doubt it, right? Probably not. Um, so my, uh, my, my song today is by the amazing, fantastic rock group, from 1964, this song called She's Not There by the Zombies. You know this song? I do. So this song is actually about a ghost, a, a ghost where people uh, are searching for her. And it's like a really creepy song. But you know you know the song. It's uh, let me tell you about the way she looked, the way she acts, and the color of her hair. So, but she's not there. So I think that uh, this song... You know, clearly there's a beautiful woman who died and people are trying to find her and she might be trying to tell them something, much like the movie we're talking about later on, Ghost, where Patrick Swayze, this handsome man, 
dies, and she's, he's trying to get a message across to someone he loves. But uh, this song is just super creepy, and it's such a cool, catchy uh, musical piece. I, I love it so much, and it evokes the great rock of the 60s, and the zombies are such a cool group, and this song is amazing, uh, one of their most popular hits. But uh, when I see Ghost, I think of this, and I'm... It's weird that they didn't have this movie in or this song in the movie, but uh, I like this song a lot. She's not there by the zombies. Fantastic! Please listen to it. Pressing. Because it's he's not there. Because he he's not there. And then Patrick Swayze sings it. I like it. She's like the wind. <laughs> um, uh, so it, it, it's hard for me to separate like try to think of another song other than the one that is the movie, which is the, the righteous brothers unchained melody. Uh, so whenever I think of this movie, I have to think of like fifties or sixties, like doo-wop kind of music. Um, so the thing that popped in my head, which they use from the movie milk money and they also, which from 1994. Oh my God. Um, milk money. Oh, dude, good God. That movie's great. It, it is. Um, doesn't hold up well but you know whatever it's still good um uh they also use it in buffy and it's the song by the flamingos i only have eyes for you uh just because i'm thinking of the the romantic side of the film where he uh you know he follows uh demi moore's character around and he's just uh, he only has eyes for her so gotta make that clear um, so that's the song that I, that I think of a little bit too with this movie. You're the romantic type, aren't you? Uh, I would say so. <laughs> well, all right. I like Preston being romantic. He's a, he's a, he's a good... I bring the flower, you bring the knife. <laughs> well, sounds good to me, sir. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's our songs, our, our bloody tunes for this episode. I like these songs a lot. I most likely will be listening to them all week long now. I only, wasn't I Only Have Eyes for You in the movie Twins as well? Uh, it could have been, but uh, I just remember it mostly from those two uh, projects. Okay, all right, all right. I like it, I like it. So the zombies and the flamingos, good stuff. Let's move on to bloody recommendations where we recommend a movie, TV show, new or old. We just want to tell you all about this project, uh, about this movie, about this TV show that we've seen, what we're doing here. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to recommend a movie. Well, first off, I thought about doing, which we've already talked about a little bit on the show, um, the... Oh my goodness, it escapes me, the Nicole Kidman ghost movie. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, The Others? The Others. I mean, I thought about bringing this up as my recommendation, but we've talked about it before. It's great, and I get it. There is, It goes in line with Ghost, but I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to talk about a movie I saw that I watched uh, recently. It's on Blu-ray now. It's called The Shed. And it, it, it does some things right, and it does some things wrong, but it's worth a rental. It's worth watching for horror fans, especially of vampires, because there's no glitter, there's no, uh, there's no gothic, brooding vampires here. No, this vampire is straight out to kill and murder, and yes, it's, and it's practic- practical effects. It's great, but the movie itself uh, is pretty interesting. Um, it's... 
follows a couple of friends at high school who are bullied by a bunch of people, and they end up finding a vampire in the shed of their backyard. And they come up with the idea of luring their tormentors there to have the vampire eat them. So it's it's pretty bloody. It's uh, There's some good practical effects going on in here with limbs being ripped off and necks being bitten out and stuff like that but there's there's a lot wrong with it i think they were trying basically i think the filmmaker loved all these horror movies and threw in everything he liked uh, about these horror movies into one film without having an original bone in his body uh, unfortunately. So there's a lot of rip-off scenes from other films put in here, such as kind of like the climax of the film where these people uh, booby-trap a house like Home Alone or Lost Boys and Vampire comes to get them. So there's that kind of aspect to it. However, it's still worth your time because there's not a lot of great vampire movies that are like this out there it's either like dracula back in the day or a very comedy one or somebody that's you know romantically involved this has really none of that so i like that it stands on its own it's called the shed you know give it a watch i think there's a lot of things to like about it despite its flaws but yes the shed that is my recommendation this week preston my recommendation this week, um, which su- surprises myself, because um, I I didn't even want to entertain the idea of watching this movie um, just because of its subject matter. Um, so the it's a I believe it was released last year. It was very quiet because uh, the the movie it played at I believe it played at, out of competition at Cannes and uh really upset some people and that is Lars von Trier's The House That Jack Built. Yes, and there's a there's a scene in there for Preston specifically. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> man. Uh have you watched it yet? Uh yes, I have and it's uh I I got the Blu-ray and everything and it's uh I, I like that movie but there were times when I was watching that movie where I was like Preston is going to walk out of the room. Oh yeah. Um well it's weird that I'm recommending it because um, uh, I fast forwarded through what? some parts of it. <laughs> you weirdo! Why? I can't sit there and watch him kill kids. Uh, I'm sorry. I knew it was coming. Oh. I don't need to see it. Uh, so I, I, it was fast enough. Okay, so I watched the first kid get killed, and then I fast forward <laughs> through the other one. Um, so oh yeah, okay, so, okay. So to to lay it down for other people, this this movie is about a um, he's a, a a man that is an architect and he's an arch sociopath. His name is Jack. Um, so the movie's split up into these five different stories, uh, or, or I hate that I keep saying segments, but parts, and um, they all. Uh, connect in some way they build towards something there's a there's a reason so there's like five incidences of killing of murder uh where each murder is seen at from jack's perspective as a piece of art it's um it it, it highlights a lot of uh, views of violence in uh 
art in general and cinema itself too, especially by the end, like Lars von Trier even shows images from his other films. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it, it shows how creation and destruction go hand in hand. So the movie is just super fascinating to me to think about after the fact. It's not the most enjoyable watch because it's hard to watch you know, kids get killed. Uh, I mean, you can tell that it's CGI when one of the kids get kill, uh, gets killed. And then, um, uh, especially what he does, like after the, after the fact reminds me a little bit of Jude Law's character from road to perdition, except really amped up on steroids. Right. Um, in that he treats them like they're, they're puppets and, uh, poses them in weird ways and has to use like wire and um, takes uh, pictures of them, and he sends them to the the newspaper to uh, create a legacy for himself. Um, so it's it, it's strange that this movie is. Um, I mean, I knew that it was going to be really dark and hard to watch, but there's an element in its structure or an aspect that Lars von Trier brings to it that makes it a little more. Uh, compelling to me and it, it keeps with the the same sort of structure that's in nymphomaniac where it's a woman who's like telling this story and uh, a man is listening to it and i'm sorry i'm gonna s- slightly spoil uh, a moment from that film or like the big thing is that he that she's telling all this information to this person, but ultimately, like he tries to act like this very caring person all throughout. But then he ultimately becomes one of the same people that she's talking about. Uh, like he he has a dark side to himself that he just can't help but get into, uh, capitalize on. And so this movie, there's the structure of him talking to, uh, they call it, his name is Verge, but it's Virgil. The poet, um, yeah. So that whole dynamic was really fascinating to me, kind of breaks the fourth wall a little bit. And it's uh, it's almost like a part documentary too, like a mockumentary, commenting and really getting inside the head of a serial killer. So pretty much like a portrait of a serial killer, but you really get access to how he thinks and it's very strange like even uma thurman's character in the film who's like the first uh victim yep she she's on the side of the road and then she's needing some assistance and her tire her tire's flat and the jacks broke and he drives by and and uh the just the conversation that they have with each other as they uh, drive over to a blacksmith that's going to fix the 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 jack um she's like She's uh, throwing out all these uh, things about him possibly being a serial killer based off of how he looks and everything. And, and, and it's like those kind of conversations that you have. Uh, I mean, I don't get picked up by strangers, but there's, you know, when you're in the company of a stranger, you, you try to like diagnose them a little bit and try to figure them out. And she's just vocally doing this, which is scary. Um, so there's just like all these elements that are brought to it that I found really fascinating after the fact, even though it's really hard to watch, you know, a body get dragged down the street, uh, with nothing left on their face, uh, tits getting cut off, um, (laughs) being fashioned for a wallet. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and, and then the last, you know, ultimate 
image of the film, uh, or one of the last image, uh, what, what gives the movie its title, um, is absolutely insane. But I really liked the epilogue that they have too. Like, uh, it's just the directions that they go, that this movie goes in. I was just like, what the hell is even going on here? Like, uh, you think that you're watching one film and it becomes another. So I, I found it to be something very similar to, uh, funny games, uh, the Michael Haneke film that I also recommended on here. So it, it's one of those movies, like I said, not really easy to sit down and watch, but once you watch it, you, it, it just it has legs. It stays with you. Um, yeah. And Matt so. Dillon is excellent in it. Um, I think he went underrated for this role. Like people don't talk about him enough for doing yeah, this. Well, he had a lot of trouble talking about it in the press. Right. It's like he, he couldn't he couldn't really articulate why he did the movie. Um, and, and I bet it's scary. I bet you it's scary to be in a movie and then try to talk to somebody like that. So, um, I think it'll find the right people who will find what the movie's trying to do. I really don't think it's trying to make you feel good. It's really trying to piss you off and upset you. Um, so if that's not a movie that you want to partake in, uh, don't, don't see it. But if you want something that can give you, a little more to think about something that you haven't really thought about before uh, that has you thinking of art a little bit differently in cinema in general. Um, I, I, I found it kind of surprising that the movie as a whole did that. Right. It's uh, it's yeah, it's, it's really weird. And I would just want to say that one, uh, there's a similar connection between the house that Jack built and the shed that we did not know about, but there's uh, an actress in there, uh, Sibian, uh, Fallon Hogan, the redhead that mm. we've seen in many yeah, yeah. things. I mean, she she was in Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the bus driver. Yeah. Uh, so, if, so like, she's been in a bunch of things we've mentioned today. But yeah, she was actually <laughs> serendipitous. Yeah, she was. Uh, she's has a big role in the shed, and then she's definitely in the house that Jack built. So, uh, very interesting to Sibian Fallon Hogan. I'm hope I'm. Uh, pronouncing that right but i'm i mean sure. that sounds cool yeah. so I, I assume it's right so yeah there you go uh pretty interesting we didn't know it but yes as Preston said serendipitous yeah so, so that that movie just uh is it come is coming out pretty soon yeah i think through it's next Shop week factory? i think yes okay yeah so shop factory put it out uh or scream factory whatever um there and it's the director's cut i didn't watch the regular version <laughs> So I just dove straight into the director's cut, but I think it's only like a minute longer. So I assume that it's probably just some more of the violent imagery that they left in there. Right. It's not really a director's cut. Like if there, if it's between like one and three minutes, I just think like, oh, you added a couple seconds here and there to it. But if you get into like 30 minutes longer for a director's cut, that's a real director's cut. Sure. Marketing ploy. So yeah, bloody recommendations, the house that Jack built and the shed. Excellent stuff. But we have arrived. Yes, we have have arrived at our main feature presentation 1990s movie hit film uh ghost uh yeah what to say about this movie oh my goodness i mean this movie won tons of awards it received five nominations and it won best supporting actress for goldberg and best original screenplay it was directed by jerry zucker if you don't know who jerry zucker is well he's known for very funny movies such as airplane and top secret and naked gun 
Kentucky Fried movie, but then he did Ghost, and it's crazy. Like, I mean, Ghost has some funny moments. We'll get into that, but that's pretty cool that he did that. Um, and then, of course, it stars Patrick Swayze, Demi Moore, Whoopi Goldberg, Whoopi Goldberg, and Tony Goldwyn. And uh, the film cost about twenty million dollars to make. But, oh my God, huge blockbuster. It made over $500 million back in 1990. And, yes. Yeah. So, so what are we, we're revisiting this film. Does it hold up? And I'm going to say, because, yes, I, uh, I did watch it. And that movie, it's, it's still so good. Like, there's really not any cheesiness to it really other than you know what we make fun of the pottery scene you know because like jesus christ but uh i think it's like a sweet sentiment to the relationship and i just think that this movie despite maybe some visual effects this movie was like still scary and mixed comedy with it very well and kind of had a believable side to it and or even like inspires you to believe in something more uh and i think it definitely holds up acting wise and everything Preston, do you think this holds up yeah i i definitely do uh i echo everything that you pretty much said um yeah that 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 cheesy scene of the pottery uh it just feels like a random scene kind of thrown in there to uh uh i guess just show uh, girlfriends can show their significant others or wives or whatever. Um, let's do romantic things like that together, even though it's like very erotic watching the close-ups of their hands together, shaping a, uh, a vase that's very penis like. <laughs> yes. No, it's, it's there. And you, you got to think like Jerry Zucker coming from these comedy bits, filming this scene, you know, like was laughing, but I mean, it, I mean, it's a sweet and tender scene. However, like it's, it's like, I think it's the most unrealistic scene in the movie, <laughs> which is weird. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think the, the movie holds up and there's something timeless about it, which is so good and w- which it deserves all the awards for. But uh, the, if you're unfamiliar, if you've never seen her, if you need a refresher course, the, the movie it follows this couple, Sam Wheat and Molly Jensen, um, a successful banker and a potter, uh, pottery maker, and they're uh, moving into an apartment in Manhattan, and then all of a sudden, Sam is mugged in the street and shot and killed, but uh, life is not over, really. He comes back as a ghost, and um, he kind of figures out how to be a ghost, which is kind of cool, like how you can move things from the dead and like haunt people and stuff like that. And then the entire rest of the plot is basically him trying to tell his girlfriend, uh, Demi Moore, that his uh, mugging and murder was actually premeditated by a close friend of theirs. Like he was, it wasn't just somebody randomly on the street. No, this was, it was involved. It was somebody close to them that was doing it and it was actually murder. Uh, so with the help of a psychic, like that you would see at a fair or something like that, played by Whoopi Goldberg named Oda Mae Brown, who brings the great comic relief to it. So that's kind of where the film is at, but I think there's so much more going 
into it. So, Preston, I know you have thoughts on this movie, even being you, you were born two months prior to this film. But I know, <laughs> I know, I know you like it. Uh, what are your what are your general thoughts on the film itself? Um, I quite enjoy this film. Um, I. I remember enjoying it when I was young because it was a movie that my mom enjoyed as well. And so I, I just kind of watched it through her eyes and how she got, she enjoyed it and liked it. And then, so, um, <clears throat> yeah, I watched it this week and, um, cause my, I think my wife has seen, yeah, cause she, she has, um, cause we were talking about some of the scary parts of it that I remember, uh, as a kid. So, uh, at this point, you know, it's been out for 30 years, so we can talk a little more deeply about it. But I, I was thinking of, uh, there's a particular scene involving a, a window and then killing a man. And that stuck out to me always as a kid, made me fear windows greatly because when I was living in, uh, my childhood house, uh, the, the window would just shut really fast. It wasn't. And so that one, it always made me scared. And then one day it actually did shut fast and it broke. Um, so it was hard to not think about that movie. Uh, in addition, there's, uh, again, you know, the, me bringing up uh, sleep paralysis, but, uh, the, the dark ghosts in it or the being dragged to hell, essentially like that part of the film, always gave me nightmares too like just not having no control thinking that you may be a good person and then you're just drugged to hell uh that's scary um so i i always it wasn't the romantic side that i always uh um thought about but the 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 horror side of it which is the whole reason why i wanted to bring it up this week so um that always uh pierced into my brain but re upon revisiting it um, there was just so many things that, uh, I, I forgot about that I really liked. And that's, and you hinted at it just earlier with like him discovering his powers, what he can do, moving objects, meeting, uh, what is it? Uh, Vince, Vincent, what's his name? Vincent Casali, Veli, whatever his name is. Um, he was, uh, I'm, I'm, yeah, Vincent Chevelli. Yeah. Vincent Chevelli who, who that's passed it. away a while, but he's like just a really weird Good looking actor. actor. Yeah. But he was, he's always great though. <laughs> so yeah, he's like one of the best parts of it. So it's hard not to think about star Wars when, uh, uh, during that segment of the film, but uh, just him going when he realized when Patrick Swayze realizes that he's a ghost, and then uh, he goes on the subway, and there's this violent kind of ghost that's on there, and that's his character. Um, and then, but but ultimately they have like a, a cool scene where they're he's teaching him how to be able to move objects and what they can do, just like all these little conversations that he has, like when he's dead, that helps him to understand and accept his death uh, because it's a scary uh, that's scary like the heartbreaking image of this film that i really like is like when he first dies uh so there's this mugger and then he chases him down the street and then you he turns back to go back to see if his you know his lover is okay but uh there there she is holding his dead body and uh like that that whole like, whoa, fuck, uh, moment is uh, really powerful and really holds up quite well today. So yeah, there's just so many moments littered all throughout here 
that are very surprising how uh, powerful they were um, or are and how well they still hold up today. Um, I guess that's what I generally think. I, th- I just think that it, it functions quite well. There's some things that um, I can question just a little bit um, that we can get into. But overall, I think it's quite a remarkable achievement for a movie that's geared towards uh, like couple like a dating movie, a date night film. Right. Because it can have can be so smart like this. Right, yes, because I think you kind of go through different emotions. Like it's thrilling, there's scary moments, it makes you think, there's a lot of comedy and romance to it. So it kind of had everything going for it, you know? So bringing that aspect into this next question, do you think uh, it did anything original for its genre, which I think it's like a genre jumper here and there, but I think it kind of paved the way for... You know, you don't have to stick to a certain genre if it's done really well, you know? Like, you can have all of these genres mixed into one and uh, it be really well played out, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. For, I mean, it was nominated for Best Picture, um, which is, thinking about that today, I mean, a lot of horror stuff doesn't get recognized uh, at all. Like maybe something like it's a little more genre focused, like The Shape of Water, which is uh, exception to the rule, Lord of the Rings, things like that. But for something like this specifically that uh, like we were just discussing how it can be taken as like this romance film, but have a little more meat on the bone. It's a little more thoughtful um so yeah it's a bit crazy to me that looking at it in hindsight that a movie like that could be nominated and recognized like it was where i wonder if it would come out today how people would think of it would they think of it as would it get the same recognition and accolades i i don't know that it would right yeah i don't know if it would either uh but as we said before, it holds up, so you got to think that it might it might be that way, but maybe the, a younger audience wouldn't understand or get it. I don't know. So, still, I think it is an original for its time and still today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, we've talked about the cast a little bit, but I mean, let let let's talk about the like, Patrick Swayze. We've seen Patrick Swayze in a bunch of stuff. Uh, we miss that man. He was kind of in, you know, kind of action-y movies, and then he did this kind of romantic, dramatic role, and he's so good in it, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I find him to be a, a great male lead. Yeah. Um, he's very charming. Um, he has the base, the best facial expressions, uh, especially throughout this film. Like, uh, people should be using it as memes. I don't know why they're not. They no, for have sure. They really should. <laughs> You should start that trend, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Like, you could just freeze frame, take a screenshot of so many different moments throughout this film. Um, like, when he screams or whatever. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, he's great. Like, even in the build-up, the first 30 minutes or so before he dies. Um, like, I, I enjoy uh, the little moments that he has of, like, kind of sweeping Demi Moore's character Molly off of her feet 
and then the the interaction that he has with his uh, so-called best friend Carl like uh, the moment in the elevator is so damn funny um, when they're first going into their office and you you just understand like what their relationship of them going up this crowded elevator and uh, making jokes about how he one of them is sick and uh, he starts coughing over people all yeah. over people like that <laughs> scene is so great um, so uh, and then it sprinkles like the little moments that creates the complexity of the story of of uh, Patrick Swayze's character being this banker uh, that works in investments and he notices that uh, a certain account has like w- a lot of money and there's a mystery to that. It doesn't know where, how that quite happened. And he vocalizes that to his friend and that creates the, 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 the greed, the, the hunger, uh, for him, for his friend to ultimately, uh, be the one that's behind it all, um, that's pulling the strings, but, uh, it, it didn't quite unfold in the way that he had planned. But at that point, uh, he, he can't turn back for his, his character. He has to cover it up. Um, so, um, so yeah, it just does a great job of, uh, laying all, laying down the rules, even for like how the ghosts operate, uh, how they can jump into, uh, certain bodies, um, and then uh, the, the ability to touch things, how far they can go, whatever. Um, I, that's just what makes it smart. So I'm did, I'm veering off from what the focus is right now, which is Patrick Swayze's performance. But there's just a it all kind of is wrapped up into into how good he is. All these like smart moments. Um, so yeah, yeah, that's Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze, yeah. Demi Moore is really great. She has the real short hair in this, and she kind of plays. She a looks mess. really young. Yeah, she's super young, and she's she's really good at it. She's good at being angry and being upset uh, in this film, confused. and get confused. It's really good. She does a good job, and then of course Whoopi Goldberg in I think her best role. Uh, she's so funny through the whole movie, and has like a confidence about it, and. Uh, like persuasive way about her. She's, she's just super, super good in it, and you can tell why she won the Oscar for it. And then, of course, Tony Goldwyn, who is that like quiet one you got to look out for, who's just evil. Me. Yes, yes, yes. It's like just like Preston, he go kill me. Uh, it just it's a good cast, and then you know there's like Stephen Root is in this movie, and <laughs> uh, like we said, Vincent Chavelli is in this movie. It's 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 so good. They're great supporting cast led by Patrick Swayze. Great stuff. Scene highlights. We've talked about them a little bit here and there, but you know Preston brought up when. Uh, the subway ghost is teaching Sam how to be a ghost and move things with his mind. And he said, it's, Preston said, it's like watching Obi-Wan tell Luke how to use the force. And it's very reminiscent of that. 
and not being able to do it at first, but then. But but if Obi Wan was a prick, yeah, if Obi Wan was a prick. <laughs> well, the 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 great thing is in that film, I love when he uh, the subway ghost is getting super pissed with Sam Wheaton. Sam kicks that can through his head, and yeah. he's like, "Very very nice, w- well done." And then Sam just asks him one question, and he freaks out and jumps through the subway, and that's like a haunting, scary scene. Yeah. Um, and then I think another thing that needs to be brought up are the scenes with the evil black demons that bring you to hell because that is some scary shit. <laughs> like the sound they procured for those things, like when uh, a bad person dies and you need to go to hell, all the shadows around you come up as like these shadowy monsters that have like this deep growling voice that are coming to get you away. Uh, and I think that was like a really cool aspect of the film. Don't you? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it was one of the moments that haunted me as a kid. I I love that one. And just like Preston said that the elevator scenes great (laughs) because I mean, it doesn't seem like it should fit in that movie, but it does, you know? Um, I want to ask you about a specific scene to, to see how you feel about it. And if you would do it in a, any differently um it's the scene where uh patch where whoopi goldberg's character offers patrick swayze's character to jump into her body to be able to touch molly demi moore's character um like that's what he wants that's what he's been wanting the entire film is to be able to just touch her again um because you lost that love and feeling um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Maybe I should have gone with that that song. Um, and so, like, in, in the scene, uh, it first shows, like, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, like, reaching out to touch uh, Molly. But then all of a sudden we get their perspective of – you see Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore together when they don't have, like, that meta moment of backing out to be like, hey, like, show these two women holding each other. Um so I, I I wonder what you thought of that scene and if you would would show that side of it to make it because it could be ta- depending on how you handle it it could be either taken goofy if you uh, if you don't do it right um, or it could show highlight more of the emotional complexity of the story of showing um, like just the two women holding each other instead. Right. So I think they did it. Very well, because I think there's a fine line in editing uh, where you would have to cut back to Whoopi Goldberg and then Patrick Swayze. Like, I like that they cut to Patrick Swayze because you got to see them together again. You know, you got that relief like, okay, you could see them actually physically. However, I think it would just walk a fine line of taking you out of that moment if you saw the two holding each other. However, I think if I would have done it differently, I would have ended the scene with the two of the two women holding each other, you know, just to yeah, bring you back a, to reality. Yeah. I so, would have done that too. Yeah. Um, so uh, maybe they did and we just haven't seen that yet, but I think there was a fine line. I think another really 
fucking funny scene in the movie is when the word gets out that Whoopi Goldberg can talk and see dead people. <laughs> yeah. And they're all in a line waiting and they're all pissed <laughs> that they tell her to go. That whole scene is so funny to me. <laughs> Just there is like Patrick Swayze even the earlier when she when he realizes that she can understand him and then annoys him by singing songs while she's trying to Yeah, Henry the eighth. I am. He kept me up all night singing that Sam. Uh, no, that, that, but that scene where like, it just cuts back to her with like literally 30 ghosts in the room trying to get to their loved one. It's so funny to me that that's, I mean, that could be a TV series in its own. Why haven't they done that? You know, her with her doing all that stuff. Uh, but yo, I think I did. It's called the ghost whisperer. The ghost whisperer. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, but I, I think that, that one scene with them too, I would have ended it with the two holding because I think if they would have shown the two women holding each other and then, you know, Molly kind of realizing like, like I, I wonder if, if Whoopi Goldberg, like her character, what's her character's name again? Oda Mae Brown. Oda Mae Brown. So if Oda Mae Brown felt that presence, like she could still, like it'd be cool to bring that other layer of uh, understanding. Like she could, when he jumps into her body, that she could feel like the, all the emotions of that he's feeling uh, beyond the grave of wanting to be with her, wanting to touch her and then just kind of, like maybe it would they could have done something differently where she uh has uh no love in her life and that made her believe in love uh that 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 it's possible like just have some sort of change for her right. uh, even and subconsciously think, that would be cool and i think like briefly i think she does maybe feel like what he's feeling or thinking because like her because Otome Brown is like a loud insane woman and then when he jumps inside of her she's like calm and collected so I gotta think like for a little bit but they didn't explore that like whatsoever so um maybe they would need to add on a bit more to that but I in my mind I think like when he jumps into her she basically is the conduit for him so he she might hear and feel and think like they do but because like, like when just they... have some sort of consequences for doing that like maybe even the the ghost would be like i don't want to do that because you would know all my secrets right right uh and then um i guess you know at the end of the movie sam is going to heaven and you almost like okay so he's resting in peace and everything's fine but like don't you like is there a part of you that like he should stay down there with molly but then again you're like she needs to move on with her life because <laughs> Be like she's Shaun of the dead i got my yeah. best friend in the shed right uh, <laughs> so uh i thought about that because i go 50 50 like, like oh. blade runner right so so there's that, and then uh, some behind-the-scenes stuff. So interestingly enough, like we we said before, uh, Jerry Zucker came from a comedy background of uh, Airplane and Naked Gun and all that type of stuff. So when they were doing this movie, the filmmakers and screenwriter were really pissed and not wanting Jerry Zucker to do this because they're like, he's going to turn this 
thing into a comedy movie the likes of Leslie Nielsen stars in. And after they all met with Zucker, uh, they all realized, like, oh, we don't have anything to worry about because Zucker said, like, I just wanted to make a really good movie, like, just something great with a message and stuff. So I think after meeting with him, because it's kind of like, you know, Disney going to like making like a family friendly new like Toy Story movie and going to like Tarantino or Lars von Trier to make it. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. I'm apprehensive, but you know, maybe after I mean, they're going to be doing Deadpool three. So. Right. Yeah, no, there you go. So like, I mean, I get it. Disney's has a huge umbrella, but I get where they're thinking that, but I, th- yeah, it's, it's super, it, it's a, it's a wonderful, a way that Jerry Zucker got to do this movie because it is that good. And then of course the soundtrack by composer Maurice Jarre is amazing. And then of course, as Preston mentioned, Unchained Melody, which brought back the Righteous Brothers song uh, to number one status, basically uh, really, really good. So it's a, and it, it was, it was licensed to Varez Saraban, one of our favorite soundtrack people, but it was issued on Milan Records, and it's kind of a more so difficult record uh, to find. Uh, I, I think I've seen it once out in the open, uh, but I think this movie is still super good, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, interestingly enough, in 2010, the Japanese over in Japan remade this movie. <laughs> I have not seen it, but it is a remake of the movie, and I want to see this. <laughs> hmm. uh, we should watch this together. Perhaps. Perhaps. Uh, so, anything left else on 1990s Ghost you want to talk about? Um, there was one thing that Roger Ebert, I went back and watched Roger Ebert's review on Siskel and Ebert. Um, oh, yeah, he didn't like with- the movie, did he? No, he didn't. He he said that some of it was clever. I don't know. He like contradicted himself a couple times. Um, Cisco liked it. He thought it was completely worth recommending. While Roger Ebert thought that it uh, took a, too long for her to for Molly to like come to her senses, uh, or at least recognize that uh, no, this that this is no BS. Like she was just too disbelieving of everything. Well, I mean, um, it's a pretty unbelievable thing of somebody you don't know who's a psychic saying, I have your husband here. I, I mean, I'm glad she was. Yeah, it happens the, the right way with, with saying ditto, uh, like being the key, but even knowing certain information and then they kind of make it make sense to her when uh, they look up her criminal background and see that she's been conning people um and and like just uh, i guess we didn't really highlight that too much of like her of whoopi goldberg's character uh her uh having like her family comes from like that line of work but she didn't have the gifts or at least she didn't think that she had the gifts so she had to uh make it up herself to make it look like i guess every every other sidekick (laughs) um right so yeah, that that was interesting. No, I know I, I I really like that aspect. Yeah, if you go back and watch or listen or read or watch Roger Ebert's reviews, there's so there's like a few movies out of his collection. You're like, well, he was way off on this, but I get that was his opinion. But like, there's 
like he didn't like this movie, but he liked this like ridiculous Jennifer Lopez movie. It was it's weird, but uh, I do like the Oda Mae Brown character and perfectly like Preston said, like with the word ditto, because it's like, tell her I love her. Sam would never say that. He's like, tell her ditto. He's like, what the fuck is ditto? And then it's like, oh, okay. I believe it, it was just, a, it's well delivered. <laughs> so uh, it's such a good movie still. Criterion, make this into a <laughs> Blu-ray. Why haven't you? <laughs> uh, well, they, are they going to be doing anything special for this year for its 30th? Uh, you know, So, I, you and I both are on all the lists, so I haven't seen anything yet for it, but I sure as hell hope so. Like, even if it's like a collector's like a edition of Scream Factory, yeah. but I would love a Criterion version of this. Uh, that would be awesome. Uh, so, yeah. Ghost 1990, please find this. We'll update you if there's a big 30th anniversary of this. Maybe they'll re release it in the theater. I don't know. It would be awesome. Uh, yeah. yeah. Episode number 79, Ghost, our, our beginning of our romantic horror movies coming at you. Uh, we'll be back next week with some Valentine stuff, I believe. Well, not Valentine stuff per se, but uh, we do have some, some lovely bloody hearts coming your way soon, right? Yeah. Yes, we do. I'm excited. And... Yeah, that ends our episode, My Bloody Podcast. We are on Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. And I'm Brian Kluger with Boomstick Comics and High Def Digest, where you can read all of the fun and groovy reviews, interviews, and whatnot uh, about Blu-rays and film. And pro wrestling, of course, which we almost got Preston to come to a pro wrestling show <laughs> very, very recently. It's coming soon, folks. And then uh, Preston can be found all over the internet, such as Good Housekeeping and Pornhub, but other places as well, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, you can find me on freshfiction.tv where I'm the features editor, and then you can find my weekly theatrical and Blu-ray reviews and interviews on dittonrc.com for Ditton Record Chronicle. And you can also follow me on Instagram where I'm sharing all my uh, physical copies, and I'm hoping that Brian will make a comeback on social media and start there. Yeah, I, I, I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about the Instagram thing. So I might be back on there soon and shortly to give you and show you all the wonderful dirty videos I take. So uh, until next week, my bloody podcast, subscribe, keep it here. We love you. <laughs>